I spoke yesterday, and, and he really had it on his heart that there is a need uh, for trusting God in our church. And I, you know what? I, I really, I'm submitted to him. And he said, I said, all right, Pastor, you know, I got this. I got this. I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to get something from the Lord. So this morning, we want to talk about trusting the all-wise God. Trusting the all-wise God. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. We're going to read that scripture. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and say, this is my Bible. How many of you know the word of God will go out even if you don't say that? Amen? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank You so much for today. Thank You for Your Word, God. Thank You that Your Word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path, that, Father, through Your Word, You cut and You divide, You set asunder. And so we lay ourselves before You. We ask You, Lord God, to divide us. Lord, separate those things which need to be separated and speak clearly to us. I pray, Father, that each person here will hear your voice speaking directly to them. That, Father, you would wear me like a glove. That, Lord, you would be the substance of everything that's said. And, Lord, that we would not be the same as how we came. At the end of this, Lord God, we promise to give you the glory, to give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say... Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know, the word lean in that scripture means, watch this, to support oneself, to support yourself. Um, it, it is what the, the, the Proverbs, the author of Proverbs is doing. He's making this, this distinction, this contrast between trusting God and supporting yourself. That supporting yourself is always going to contradict the trusting in God part. Are you with me? So that if somebody trusts in God, there is a leaning that they do on Him and not on themselves. But once you find yourself in a position where you're leaning on your wisdom, your knowledge, your contacts, your education, your, the, what you've done is unplugged yourself from trusting in God and put your own source, you, you become your own source of power. So that you become your support. That you become your source. You become your own strength. Um, The Lord says it this way. If you trust me, then I'm the one who upholds you. I'm the one who strengthens you. I'm the one who gives you the energy to do the things that you need to do. And oftentimes what happens to us in life is that we walk through life with stages where we trust God and then we get to a stage where we're comfortable and don't feel we need to trust Him anymore. And so we move from trusting God to leaning on our own understanding. But as long as we lean on our own understanding, we limit our potential and shortchange our purpose. We can never achieve our purpose by being ordinary or comfortable or mediocre. In other words, you can't walk on water if you don't get out of the boat. How many of you know that story uh, about the disciples in the boat? They were kind of, you know, going over in the middle of a storm. And then Jesus started walking on the water. They saw him and they said, ah, it's a ghost. And he says, uh, let me see Jesus' voice. Um, no, it is not a ghost. It is I. And do you remember that story? Here's what happens. I, I, I don't understand Peter. Peter and I, like, I just don't see eye to eye with Peter ever. 
I'm not a Peter personality. Okay? And so here's what Peter does. Peter says, Lord, if it is you... No, wait. Before you finish the story, because some of you know it so well, you already finished. You're ahead of me. Don't go ahead of me. Just stop for a second. Lord, if it is you... Now, if you're in the boat, in the middle of a storm... And there's a ghost walking on the water. And you find out it's not the ghost. It is Jesus. And you say, Lord, if it is you, what are the next words to come out of your mouth? Lord, stop the storm. Lord, if it is you, calm the waves. Why? Because he did it before. He can do it again. He did it before. He can do... Come on now. He did it before. He can... And, and here's the thing. So you figure, if God did it once, then he must... That must be what he wants to do this time. But Peter doesn't do that. Here's what Peter does. Peter says, he's so... Ugh. Peter says, if it is you, let me come out to you. What? Doesn't it make sense? Who says that? Who says, Lord, I'm in a tough situation. Make it tougher. (laughs) Nobody says that. When I was in the boat, I'd be like, Peter, shut up. I'd be like, tell him to get us to the other side. Tell him to be under us. You know what I'm saying? But no. Peter says, hey, Lord, if it is you, um, I've seen you do that storm thing before. And that was really impressive. But guess what? I want more. I want to trust you at another level, Lord. Because I've already seen you at the level of storm calming. Now I want to trust you at the level of water walking. You see, Peter had shifted in his thinking. And all of a sudden, he was now challenging God to take him somewhere he had never been before. And so God has a purpose for us and a plan for us. But if you think the dream that you have is one that you can manage, it's probably not the dream that God gave you. In other words, God is always going to give you the picture of something that you are not able to handle by yourself so that you can depend on Him in order to get it accomplished. Does this make sense, everybody? So Peter was asking God to do something he knew he could not do by himself. And the destiny that God has for you means that you've got to step out of your ordinary in order to accomplish it. You cannot stay in your comfort zone and accomplish what God has for you. There is a challenge that God is pushing on you this morning that says, trust me for the next level. Trust me to move out of the boat. Trust me to go where you've never gone before. Don't stay where you're at. Don't stay where you're at. But some of us have a hard time trusting God. In fact, I've come up with six reasons why people have a hard time trusting God, okay? Now, people don't trust God because, number one, we think we know more than He does. Um, We don't actually say that to anybody, but here's what we do to ourselves. We say to ourselves, I know God wants me to do this, but eh, I'm not sure that's going to work out for me, so let me do this instead. Um... We're afraid to trust God. We don't, we don't want to trust God because we're afraid of what He might ask us to do. 
Amen. When I was getting saved, I thought I was going to preach in Africa and marry an ugly girl. The thing is, she was going to be anointed and she was going to have a great personality though. So I kind of, you know, that was kind of cool, but, mm, you know, I was like, God, you know. And so trusting God for me was like, man, if I trust God, I can't ask him to pick out my wife. Are you kidding me? Who knows what package she'll come in. Hmm. So you see what I mean? I was, I was very like, you know, I didn't want to trust God because I was afraid of what He might ask me to do. Here's another thing. Some people are afraid to trust God or don't want to trust God because they've misinterpreted their past experiences. In other words, they look in their past, they see failures in their past, and they say, God must have caused that, or why didn't God stop that? And so they misinterpret their own experience, and they don't see the hand of God in it. They twist it. You know, one of the most powerful scriptures, it's not even my notes, but it just came to mind. One of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible is when Joseph's brothers send a message to him saying, uh, forgive us, you know, for what we did. And, and Joseph says this, it's crazy. Joseph's response is crazy. He said, you did not send me here. God did. I mean, like in slavery, in jail, all of that. He said, you didn't send me here, God did. And then he says this, he backs up with this. What the enemy meant for evil, God turned around for good. So that's how you interpret your past. How you interpret your past is seeing what happened to you and see how did God use that to bring me to where I am today. Like some people wouldn't even have survived that. But if it were not for the Lord on my side. Where would I be? And so yeah, how you interpret that? Here's the other one. Fourth, we have projected someone else's behavior to God. In our words, our dad abandoned us, and so we think God is going to step out on us pretty soon. Another reason why people don't trust God is because we have bad theology. Or some people think God is just waiting for us to mess up so that He can punish us. Are you with me? And so when we hear what he's saying to us, we go, man, if I step out and I make a mistake, he's going to get to me. And so we don't want to trust God. Who wants to trust somebody whose only objective in our life is to punish us? And finally, we don't trust God because we don't know that he can be trusted. So today I'm going to kind of focus on that a little bit. He can be trusted. He can be trusted. God will always take us to a place where we have to trust Him completely in order to go to the next level. I'm going to say that again. God will always take us to a place where we have to trust Him completely in order to go to the next level. Because here's what happens to us as humans. The last place of our trust becomes the new place of our comfort. Are you getting what I'm saying? In other words, remember that job that you were praying for that you finally got even though you weren't qualified for and every morning you used to pray before you went to work because you knew that you really didn't deserve the job and so you're praying, praying, praying and then after about six months you figure, I got this. As you don't pray no more, you don't seek anymore because you have it. You're now leaning on your own. Come on, say it. Of course, you got it. So now it's your new place of comfort. And then when God starts to challenge you to say, hey, let's go to the next level, you go, I don't want to leave my place of comfort. Sometimes I think, I mean, I'm a foreigner, okay? So I've I've come from Jamaica. Sometimes I think the American dream is to be comfortable. 
Woo! Oh no, my gosh! He talked. I, I just, I just talked about the American dream. Listen to what I'm saying, though. A lot of times, I find that people mean what I mean by the American dream is that as long as I have enough for me, my four, my not four kids, whatever, however many kids, just us. As long as we're okay. You, you get what I'm saying? Like somehow the dream is, I want to be in a place of comfort. Nothing grows strong in comfort. You got to hear this. Nothing grows strong in comfort. The most comfortable place for a seed is in the bag that it is in. It won't grow, but it's comfortable. It has other seeds around it. You know what I'm saying? Cool. It's you know, nice. It's you know, whatever. You, you know how to get the seed to grow? Put it somewhere dark. Get it dirty and expose it to all the elements that could kill it. In fact, the seed has to die before it can even grow. And so many of us are looking for comfort and God is looking for us to step out and trust Him. So, I want to talk to you about this God who is worthy of trust. There's some things we have to know about God in order to trust Him. Number one, God is completely wise. I am not. God is completely wise. I am not. Romans 16, 27 says, To the only wise God. I love it. Be glory forever through Jesus Christ. To the only wise God. Now, wisdom is more than intelligence. Wisdom is more than smartness and cunning. It's more than cleverness. Here's what wisdom means. Wisdom means you can see the best option, you're able to do the best option, and you're willing to choose the best option. You can see the best option, you're able to do the best option, and you're willing to choose the best option. He said, all three are necessary for wisdom to work. Because without any of those three happening, you have all kinds of disaster going on. And so I'm going to show you kind of where God is in terms of this matrix of what's needed for wisdom to work. First thing is that wisdom requires knowledge. You have to be able to see the best option. Wisdom requires knowledge. Now, theologians have a word for God when it comes to knowledge. It's called omniscience. In other words, God is omniscient. So you can go to work tomorrow and say to your, uh, the people around you, Hey, you know what? God's omniscient. <laughs> and then they'll be like, what? He says, it's, it's theology. See what I'm saying? Can't do that, right. So omniscient. Here's what omniscient means. Omni means all. The, the end of that word science is knowledge. So all knowing. That science, it means knowing or knowledge. All knowing. God is all knowing. What does that mean? It means God knows... All things, past, present, and future, real and potential. He knows them all, and He knows all of them at the same time. He knows what was, what is, and what will be. He also knows everything that could be, but is not. All things visible and invisible. All things known and unknown. God knows everything, everything possible, and everything actual. All events and all creatures that ever was and is and is to come. His knowledge is absolute, innate, full, complete and free. God is perfect in knowledge. He knows no one thing better than any other thing, but knows all things equally well. He never discovers anything. He is never surprised. He is never amazed. He is never shocked. He is never uncertain. He is never curious. He is never dumbfounded. He is never confounded. He is never confused. He is never uncertain. And he is never unsure. 
He never wonders about anything, nor does he seek information, direction, or confirmation. He does not guess, reckon, figure, uh, estimate, hypothesize, suppose, suspect, or speculate. He knows it all, and he knows how it all fits together. That's who God is. That's God. So in Isaiah 46, he says this, I am God, and there is none like me. Here's what he says, and I make known, watch this, the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Listen, when God starts something, he already knows the end before he even begins. He knows everything. Not only does he know everything about everything, he knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. I love what David said in Psalm 139. He says this, God, here's what he said. He said, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. My God. He said, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with, catch this, all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. I love it. For some of us, that's really comforting. For others of us, you know what I'm saying. You know when I go out? You know when I go out, Lord. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Proverbs 5.21 says, For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord. He examines all his paths. In other words, here's what, here's what the word is saying. He's saying, God knows every breath you take, every move you make, Every bond you break, every step you take, God is watching you. He's watching you. He knows it. He knows you intimately. He knows you inside out. Then he says this. Because I'm all-knowing, that's not enough for wisdom. You've got to be able to see the best option, but you also have to be able to do the best option. In other words, you have to have enough power to do what is necessary for what your knowledge has thus fed you. And so the theologians have an R word for this too. It's called omnipotent. God is omnipotent. Once again, all, omni, all, potent power. God is all powerful. Um, John 12, verse 13 to 14 says this. Job, sorry, 12. He says, um, Job 9, verse 4. Let's do that first. His wisdom is profound... His power is vast. In other words, wisdom needs power in order to operate. Here's verse, um, chapter 12 of Job. To God belong wisdom and what? Power. Counsel and understanding are, are His. What He tears down cannot be rebuilt. The man He imprisons cannot be released. Wisdom without power is ineffective. But power without wisdom is destructive. God has infinite wisdom and infinite power and therefore we can trust Him to know what to do and have the ability to do it. Are you with me? 
So if God knows us completely and has the power to act upon that knowledge but does not have the right motivation, in other words, not willing to do what is right, then we can't trust Him then. So the Bible has an answer for that. Because He has to be able to see the best option. He has to be able to have the ability to choose the best option. But He also has to be willing to do it. The Bible calls that love. The Bible says, God is not only omniscient and omnipotent, but God is love. So what are you saying? Well, you see, this is where most of us get stuck. We know God is this all-powerful being, but we're just not sure if He loves us that much. But God loves you completely. In fact, He loves you so much. Let me tell you what, what you know about people who love you. People who love you are always looking out for your best interest. Because love is always giving and love is always looking to be a blessing to the other person. So if God is all powerful and all wise, but He doesn't love us, He might do things that are best, but not necessarily best for us. Are you following me so far? But as a parent, if you're a parent in here, you understand this. Sometimes you know the right thing for your child to do. You know it. You have the power to help them. And you have the heart to make sure it's in their best interest, even if they don't understand what you're doing. And this is where God is many times with us. Because God has this heart for us, this desire to bless us, this desire to see us get all the things, I mean, push us to the purpose that He's created us for. Because He knows there's peace, He knows there's joy, He knows everything that we need is in Him. But many times we fail to trust Him to take the step in the direction that He's calling us to. Here's what the book in Jeremiah chapter 29 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. And say this with me, not to harm you. Some of us need to hear this. It's not to harm you. He's not trying to harm you. He's not trying to put you in a place where you have some sort of something go wrong if you follow Him. He says not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. And if we understood the good intentions of God towards us, we would gladly trust Him. And because we don't, it breaks His heart. Breaks His heart. Um, if you all have, if any of you have teenagers, you can kind of Connect with me on this one, okay? Teenagers can sometimes break your heart because you're thinking to yourself, the only reason I'm telling you this is for your good. Some of us are like teenagers in the kingdom. Some of us are like teenagers. We'd rather listen to our friends than our Heavenly Father. Many of us are like teenagers in that we would rather stay in the boat with our friends than walk on the water with our father. I know we can criticize them, but you know what? We have the same attitude. And here's what God says to you and I. Isaiah 48 verse 17 says this. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you. Who directs you in the way you should go. If only, if only you had listened, if only you would hear me, if only you would submit, if only you would walk with me, if only you would trust me, if only, if only, if only, if only you had paid attention to my commands. Look at this. Your peace would have been like a river. Your righteousness like the waves of the sea. 
And some of us in here, and we're trying to create our own peace. And God said, if you would only give me a chance to direct you. I already took you this far. Why don't you trust me for the next level? If only. God needs your trust in order for you to get to what he has created you to do. And believe me, it's not in the boat. It's not in your comfort zone. It's not in the place where you're relaxed. He's calling you to something more. And he says, you know what? Can I tell you something? I think sometimes God even makes our comfort zone uncomfortable so that we can move. Are you hearing me? Sometimes the thing that's comfortable for us, sometimes God has to shake it up and rock the boat so that you would say, okay, I want to get off so I can walk on the water. Sometimes God has to make things a little uncomfortable just so that you can trust Him again for the next level. But God will always bring you to a place where you need to trust Him completely in order for you to go to the next level. Because the next level is not like the past level. It's not like where you are right now. The next level is completely different than you've ever experienced before. Amen? If you believe that, just clap your hands or just thank Him. Point number two. God's wisdom is not like my wisdom. Isaiah 55, I love this. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and your thought, my thoughts than your thoughts. Sometimes God will take us to a place beyond our own wisdom, our own thoughts, our own abilities, so that we can lean on Him, so we can trust Him. He wants to take us to the next level. Sometimes what He's saying doesn't make sense in the natural. It doesn't make sense in the natural. Because His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I want to show you one of those ways um, in the book of John chapter 11. This is the story of Lazarus. And some of you know the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was a guy that died and um, he beat Jesus, I think, in how long he can stay dead before he get risen. Do you remember him? He died for four days. And so the death of Lazarus happened in John chapter 11. Verse 1 says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the first thing that I notice in this is that Mary the one that they knew, there were many mirrors in, in the Bible. You remember Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene. She was the, the prostitute that the Lord had, you know, cast out demons. Well, I'm not sure if she was a prostitute, but we figure she was. And then there's Mary, this Mary. This Mary is the Mary that worshipped Jesus with the oil and stuff. And This Mary was the Mary that was sitting at Jesus' feet while Martha was busy with many things. Do you remember that Mary? Amen. And a lot of times what happens to us is that we think because we are worshippers and because we are spending time with God that nothing should go wrong in our lives. But Mary, the one who had a reputation for being close to Jesus, had a situation that only Jesus could fix. And you don't take it for granted. You don't say to yourself, hey, I spent time with the Lord this morning, so why is everything going bad at work today? Because God is always going to bring you to a place where you need to trust Him. 
It doesn't matter if you're a worshiper, you're going to have to trust Him. It doesn't matter if you do your devotions, you're going to have to trust Him. Let me tell you something, Bible knowledge doesn't matter until you have to use it to trust Him. Are you with me? So, no matter where your relationship is with God, God is always going to bring you to a place where you have to say it. So Mary was in a place. She was the worshiper. She was the one that people figured nothing should ever go wrong. But now, he had to trust. She had to trust him. Therefore, the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Hallelujah. That was a hand towards Pastor and Pastor right there. Thank you, Jesus. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus, catch this, loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Okay, so let's go back to our matrix. Does Jesus know what the problem is? Can Jesus, does Jesus have the power to fix the problem? Okay, does Jesus love those who are involved with the problem? All right, perfect. So this is a perfect situation now for God to work a miracle. Amen? All right, so what happens next? So... Now, every time you say the soul, the word soul, and especially when it has to do with Jesus, watch out because there's something coming up that you don't expect. In other words, if I said, man, I'm hungry, so you expect me to say something like, so I'm going to eat some food, go to Whataburger, you understand? That makes sense. The one before, what after, what's before the soul and what's after the soul, the soul connects them together so that it makes sense. If I said, man, I'm hungry, so I'm going to go take a shower, you'll be like, What? What? That don't make sense. Okay? So, let's read. So, Jesus loved them. So, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. What? Does it make sense? Why would Jesus stay two more days in the place? If he knows what's wrong, he can fix it, and he loves the people involved. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. But we're going to find out. So jump down um, to verse 11. These things he said, and after he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Now verse 12, this is a verse, verse 12, this is a verse I got for the pastor this morning as I was praying. The Lord dropped John chapter 11 verse 12. Right to my spirit, right to my spirit, right here. Here's what it says. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. Come on now. So I'm just giving you that word right now. If you sleep, you will get well. Receive the prophetic word of the Lord, Pastor. So now, Jesus decides to go. Jesus says, no, what I'm saying, guys, is he's dead. Sometimes I think Jesus should just, you know, sometimes take a course in um, clear communication. (laughs) Because these guys had no idea what he was talking about. So down into verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him. And Mary was sitting at the house. So Martha said to Jesus, Lord... Catch this. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Why did Jesus spend two days? What is wrong with Jesus? I won't tell you what's going on here. Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, he would have been healed. 
Mary comes later and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Here's, here's what was happening. Martha and Mary knew Jesus as a healer. Martha and Mary trusted Jesus as a healer. They had seen him heal. They had seen him recover blind eyes and lame people walk. They had seen him do all kinds of miracles where people got healed. Martha and Mary grew comfortable with the fact knowing if I call for Jesus, he's going to come and heal them. But Jesus said, you haven't started to trust me on a new level yet. I'm about to challenge you so that you no longer just see me as healer, but you see me as the resurrection and the life. And had I come two days earlier, your level of trust would have stayed the... Come on now. Mary, Martha, you're too comfortable. You're too comfortable with healing. You're too comfortable with the miracles. You've got to see something you've never seen before. And that's why many of us are stuck where we're stuck. Because we don't want to ask God to show us something new. We're good with the healing. We're good with our level of comfort. God says, I got more for you than that. I've got so much more for you than that. But will you trust me? Will you trust me? I know it. I know what's going on in your life. I know it. I have the power to change what's going on in your life. I can do it. I love you so much. I'm willing to do the best thing for you. Here's the question. Can you trust me? Can you trust me? Can you trust me? Can you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding? I want to pray for some people this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray for you and with you. So wisdom begins with trusting the Lord. And if you're confused and you don't know where to go, I'm going to tell you something. Start right here, trusting the Lord. This message is simple. God alone is completely wise. So will you trust Him? Would you trust Him with what He's telling you to let go of? Or where He's telling you to go? Will you trust Him what you're going through? Will you trust Him with that relationship? your career or your future your business your family your life what's going on right now in your life that you need to trust God through God is calling out to some of us here to step out of your boat and trust him it's scary but it's worth it it's worth it it's worth it Father thank you for your people right now 
But thank you, Lord God, that we can trust you. You are trustworthy. You are so faithful. You're so sure. From everlasting to everlasting, Lord, you are to be trusted, Lord. We can lean on you, not on ourselves. We wouldn't have gotten this far without you, Lord God. We wouldn't have gotten this far without trusting you. And now, Father, the next step seems so much bigger. But God, we trust you. We love you, Lord God. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, you've never trusted him with your life, for you this morning you maybe you don't know that if you die today you'd go to heaven and, and so I want to give you that sense of assurance